Emerge 2021, General Dynamics Information Technology's signature virtual event series. See vision brought to life with GDIT and over 40 leading partners showcasing real technology solutions that make an impact today and pave the way for tomorrow. Join leaders across government and industry to explore how to accelerate digital modernization for your IT enterprise. Take a deep dive into emerging technology that will transform the world and learn how defense agencies are advancing the mission with cloud. Register now at GDIT com slash emerge. Hey, this is Jessica Hammer, host of Crown and Dangerous. Thanks for listening to the following broadcast on Public House Media. Hi, this is Emily. This is Lindsay. And this is Elizabeth. Co-hosts of Beauties and Headcanons here on Public House Media. Thanks for listening to the following broadcast on Public House Media. Once you are done with this episode, we hope you'll come check out our show, Beauties and Headcanons, where we talk nerdy to you about fandoms, fan fiction, and all pop culture for nerds that you can think of. A new show comes out every Friday. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode of Beauties and Headcanons. Thanks again for checking out the following broadcast on Public House Media. Chicago for my field work placement. I'm in school to be an occupational therapist. We do these 12 week rotations where we work at different settings as an occupational therapist, but we have really intense and varied mentorship. So my clinical instructor is really amazing and she's very fierce and just believes in OT so much. Um, and she's very like on it and has been teaching me so many really wonderful things and really having me like think deeply about everything, which I love and I appreciate it. And I feel like I'm such a better therapist as a result of it. So she's really cool. And so I'm working in the surgery floor so it's sort of a catch-all for all of the individuals who have um, just big surgeries and then we go in and see how their body's moving so it's an acute care placement and then we help make recommendations on like how can we best support them like do they need adaptive dressing strategies or bathing strategies or do they need different tools to kind of help them just to maximize their independence which is how beautiful OT is so it's been really cool and then I had Friday off because I had worked the Sunday before so I spent an entire day at this really wonderful coffee shop which you had recommended called Every everybody's coffee it's in whoop Chicago whoop, uptown um, Chicago mm-hmm. and it was so beautiful to, I mean it's so cliche to say it but like everybody's coffee really had everybody in there and it just was so cool that I was working on things for this podcast and I was just so happy I was so happy but like there's me with my limb difference I saw a gentleman who had a leg amputation and was using a wheelchair and I saw another gentleman that had like a neurological condition just basement on his movement patterns and then I saw a couple of older adults that were um, street engaged and then I saw some like younger people and it was just people of all different like ethnic backgrounds like all different socioeconomic status like it everybody was there and it's like these are all the people that should be here and it just was so just really beautiful to be there and work on my 
project, work on this project, and I just was so happy. So my heart is like warm and filled, and thank you for that recommendation. And I just Yay. was so happy there. And the food was great, and the tea was great, and so I'm just really happy. The fun thing about everybody's coffee is that it's run by um, a specific group here in town. It's a religious group that runs it. And a member of the group within that organization, they actually have a daughter with one hand that I very often go and get hot chocolate with at Everybody's Coffee. So I also was at Everybody's Coffee this week because I ran and I got hot chocolate with the girl from my neighborhood who is, I guess, my mom always calls them my mini-me's. So that's what I default and call them. Um, These lovely, adorable children who I've now had the honor of watching grow up. But yeah, it's a really beautiful part of our our neighborhood and a part of the community and they serve delicious food and drinks so it's a win for everybody yeah cool so today we are diving into a topic that yet again sarah and i are so excited to talk about and to Mm -hmm. bring to you as we get more into talking about these deeper topics um and if you haven't gotten it yet based on the first couple of episodes disability rights are civil rights yeah they are I'm going to say it one more time. Say Disability rights. They are civil rights. And what's fascinating is that if you go through history, and there have been people who have done this homework, and I'm not giving it to you in stats or data, but generally if you're looking at it, you can see the different flows here in the United States in particular. The different flow of women's rights, race rights, LGBTQ rights, and disability rights. And it goes in that order and you can see the wave of how they work and how they work together and what they play off of each other. We're so excited to have with us um, today somebody who can speak directly to the intersection of race and disability together. Today we are excited to have Candace with us and Candace, Candace Coleman is going to talk us through the intersection of race and disability and just looking at um, another part of our community from a different lens and another part of our community that is just added layers and deeper layers of different stigma that maybe we don't pause to think about if we are not in that particular intersection. I think it's important to re-acknowledge that people are complex beings. Yes. Like people are not one thing or another thing and that like of course people can have a disability, people can have multiple disabilities, and then people can have other like other minority groups like race, like LGBT, and and perhaps an individual could be all seven of these things together. And yeah. what does that look like if they have all of these different minority groups and stigma and oppression inter- like intersecting and relating, impacting them all at the same time? Yeah, so I mean, I, I feel like we talk a, a lot about the fact that even if our disability is different than another person's disability, we still experience stigma in more or less the same way. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, that might be true, but you add gender on top of that, you add mm-hmm. race on top of that, you add all of these other, yet again, this intersectionality of things, and suddenly the experience is something that's different. So. Mm-hmm. It's important to acknowledge that and realize that. And yet again, we only today, we're only just going to like dip our toes into what that means. We're not doing any kind of deep dive, but we just want to get people thinking about the fact that first mm-hmm. of all, disability rights are civil rights. And second of all, that there are intersections of different things. And you can be in multiple boxes of these multiple intersections. And that's beautiful. But also that means that your flavor maybe isn't strawberry. It might be strawberry lime. Or yeah. whatever, you know, like. <laughs> so without further ado, 
I would love to introduce to you today, Candace Coleman. Candace is the racial justice organizer at Access Living and her group Advanced Youth Leadership Power focuses on anti-bullying, the school and prison pipeline, restorative justice, police br brutality, and disability justice. Candace has dedicated the last six years of her career to teaching disabled youth of color to take pride in all aspects of their identity. She has served as the Masters of Ceremonies at Chicago's Disability Pride Parade, and she has spoken around the country. We are so thankful to have her here. Candace, welcome, and thank you so much for being on our show with us today. We're gonna go ahead and actually hop right in to the first question. So without further ado, here we go, Candace. What are the big broad stroke topics that we're currently experiencing here in the United States in 2019 that are the intersection between disability and race? Um, the broad stroke topics can vary. It depends on where a person is focused on. So, for example, ways that we talk about race and disability could be the women and girls' reproductive health through um, the school-to-prison pipeline, through policing and disability, through health care, through education. So just very various areas that people have to live their life. Great. So Nikki just asked a question and she said um, she's wondering what are some of the barriers, the additional barriers that people face when they have both a disability and that they identify with minority groups? One is lack of community and support. A lot of times in um, different communities, color, having a conversation around having disability and identity is not had. So usually it's only talked about in terms of how to get you support or how give you medical treatment, but not necessarily as a whole spectrum of you as a person. So that the conversation itself is not had. Another level is because of that, people don't have access to what they need in order to participate fully in society. So a lot of times it starts off in education systems. And when people don't understand who you are, what type of environment you're in, and what type of support you need, you usually don't get the full experience that you could have if you've had access to resources and accommodations. And that plays out a lot when we're growing up and trying to get everything that we need as far as education, working, social life, and gaining employment. You're not having the conversation at the very beginning level. It could just follow you for the rest of your life. Absolutely. I hear that community aspect. And I know something that Nikki and I both are experiencing is that there is sort of the disability pride community in that, like, if someone has a specific disability, then they can perhaps find others with that different disability. And then I believe that there's also a lot of, like, ethnic group and, like, sort of racial pride with those different communities. But I'm hearing that that one community of being someone that is a part of a racial group and is a part of a disability, that what are the things that they navigate and what are the resources in there that they're not able to have access to? Because that's a, that's a sort of a very specific group of people too. And then I'm hearing that lack of education. And I know that through some research that I was reading that individuals with disability in general have lower employment rates than their non-disabled peers when they graduate high school. So being able to both find and secure long-term employment and then have that, you know, be actually money that can be able to support them throughout their lives and the things they need. But then I also saw that particular individuals that had various minority groups in addition to the disability that they even had lower employment rates when they graduated high school. And then both people with disabilities in general having lower graduation rates from high school too, in that that makes me feel that individuals with disabilities 
being able to navigate the whole healthcare system in general because they're trying to access different goods and services they need, that those are big barriers that they're experiencing and not being able to get the equipment that they need, not being able to make it to different doctor's appointments, those types of things. Yeah, or, yeah, even, or culturally, even culturally, not being able not to see yourself reflected in most Yes. We're now seeing a lot more people with disabilities in various sectors, such as authors, and entertainment, and media. But for most of us who were growing up in this, that was unheard of. And so even culturally, just not being able to not I have to check one of your identities at the door because you're not yeah. having the conversation around disability. Yes. I really like that phrase, not having to check one of your identities at the door. Nikki just asked, what are the parallels between the civil rights movement and the disabilities rights movements? A majority of the parallel comes from the fact that in the civil rights movement, it was bringing forth white black people to be treated equally society in order to gain access to voting, to get a job, to navigate in the world wherever they could go and not being discriminated against. The disability rights movement got inspired the civil rights movement because having a disability should also be a human civil or having laws and protections should also be a human civil right for the disability community as it is as being a person of color. The civil rights movement inspired the disability rights movement in a way that people with disabilities should have rights as well. I was living in a house in Philadelphia and the woman who had originally bought the house was an artist and she had developed a, a disability that it was a degenerative disability. It could have potentially been MS. I'm not entirely sure which it was in general, but she was uh, using a wheelchair and she became a big activist in trying to make the city of Philadelphia's voting buildings accessible for people with disabilities. And then she had since passed when I had moved in, but she had a lot of her artwork was in one of the closet. So I was opening up and moving some of the things out and I saw all of her protest posters. And one of them said, I use a wheelchair now, but you may use it later like, you know, make this accessible. And I just I just thought that that was really powerful. I just thought that oh. that was really powerful in how important it is for people both of color and of disability to be able to vote and have say on what the policies are that are happening. It is really powerful because I explain this a lot when I talk to people about disability community. A lot of people, when we're fighting for access for people with disabilities, it usually provides access for everyone. And so... Mm-hmm. Within the disability community, I agree, regardless of where you are in age or where you are in life, you can either be born with a disability or acquire one at some point in time. And the things that we're fighting for, for access just for us to live full lives, does not stop a person who already has access from using it. So, for example, I use the curb cut. Without curb cuts, we wouldn't have access to sidewalks. Mm-hmm. And people with disabilities help get that put in place. But you don't avoid the curb cut if you are walking on it or if you're using a stroller or if you're mm-hmm. tugging your luggage. Like, you get access to the curb just like a person who needs it uh, for wheelchair access or other uh, mobility disabilities. And so when we're fighting for access for us, we're fighting for access for all. And that's that universal design, too. And it's something that I I thought was really 
interesting when I really started this research on what disability is, is that it's sort of the social construct that it's like, if we built a more inclusive world, then we wouldn't have all of these big barriers to disability and that there are things as simple, and that's in air quotes, as making curb cuts. Like that is a change that we can make as a society and make that as a standard that then provides access to all. There's lots of different ways that we can both change our societal perception and change our physical environment in order to be able to provide access to everyone. I say that a lot as well, which is that it's not us people with disabilities in our bodies that's the problem it's the way that our environment is set up that creates barriers for people to be who they truly are absolutely and those environments are changeable i think is the important part to highlight that too yeah they definitely are changeable i mean we (laughs) we create technology and we create all of these things for everything else but we should use the same brain power and the same community to work together to be more in community with each other regardless of who we are, whether you have a physical disability or an invisible disability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. And it comes to with that, I think that social understanding too, that we understand why this is important and we understand why we all need to be seated down at the table and not just a select few of people. So that's what we're hoping to do with this podcast is to help broaden that understanding and to help really challenge and break down that barrier on stigma. So Nikki just asked, um, she's wondering, Candice, what do you wish that people in the disability community understood about the intersection between disability and race? Our society is built on, on racism and a lot of the barriers that we face as people of color exist whether we are knowledgeable of it or not. What it would take for a person who is African-American to walk through a door and be completely free to be who they are and have access and not just think about the survival mode of what's going on, but actually have room to dream and to live and to be free. That is a luxury that we don't have. And so to create access and to think about intersectionality, you're thinking about the barriers and how to alleviate a lot of those things so that a person can come in a room with their full selves, with their ideas, dreams, and able to say what their access needs are and actually being met. And be respected. I hear that being respected and being welcomed in the room. So the biggest of my job is creating that space, regardless of who you are and what you identify with and how you see yourself in community. Nikki just asked, what are the biggest problems that you see in that intersectionality and what do you want in the future? Where do we go from here? One of the biggest problems that I see, and this is also rooted in racism, is that a lot of the standard of what is considered good or great or the best mm-hmm. is usually viewed through the eyes of very white and privileged ideas, policies, and the way things go. And because of that, it could be a challenge to do this work. And where I would hope that it would go is to uplift more people of color and to meet people where they're at so that we can create a space that uplifts everyone. There's a quote that came out at our conversation with Adam too, Adam Ballard, who I know that you know and work closely with. And he had said that if you're not at the table, then you're on the menu. And that's something that I think about a lot in that, like, who are the people that are making decisions? And of course, people who are making decisions are going to be the ones who are making the best decisions from their perspective, right? 
So if people are not in that room, if they're not at that table, if they're not there making those decisions too and providing input and being like, oh, wait, hang on, this actually, it would really hurt this community that I'm representing in XYZ way. So let's alter this. Let's change this so that we can make sure that it's equally respectful and it's going to be a best decision for everyone that's sitting at that table. Then that would you know, be better. So that is important that everyone is sort of sitting at that table. And like, how can we change that table? How can we build that table to be more inclusive of everyone too, and make sure that people with all within all these different communities are in fact, there sitting at the table making those decisions. And it's not sort of a small group of people. I always say that the room is ever progressing. It just depends on who comes in the room. Yeah. And usually someone is not there. And so just always aiming and striving and next time you create that space that you invite or add or actually support people having access to that space. So, for example, even though we're not in the same building right now, like I'm talking to you mm-hmm. on the phone or through the Internet, so creating access for people to participate mm-hmm. and, and being welcoming and creating space for people to say how they feel comfortable uh, being a part of contributing their voice but I ask like literally I ask that question every time we have a meeting or event who's not in the room and how can we get them here oh I love that was not in the room and how can we get them here? Um, I'm going to summarize what Nikki just said. She said that we both acknowledge Nikki and I are both in our sort of late 20s. We're both white women and that we are really appreciative to have conversations with experts like yourself that are able to come in and provide this dynamic too because Nikki and I do represent this sort of small portion or piece of the puzzle that it's really important to make sure that we are inviting that we are welcoming everyone to be a part of this table so we're really appreciative because you are an expert in all of the work that you're doing i am wondering too do you know of any legislation or policy that's currently in place to help benefit people that are living in this intersection there are things brewing i can't point you in a direction right now are you saying intersectionality as it pertains to race And disability, yeah. Is there any sort of policy or anything that's happening to help benefit this particular group of people? I can't point to a policy per se right now. Probably think about it later. But I do know that there are conversations and strategic plans and boards and various things that are becoming more inclusive of different voices of people of color with disabilities. So I think the policies will flow out of those things that are born right now. And if I think of something later, I'll let you know. But right now, I just know that there's a lot of things coming together. Which is good. Nikki and I also want to make sure that we are being respectful of your time. And sort of for our last question here, Nikki asked Candice, what do you see as the most important part of your job day to day? Creating space for people to be who they are, but also empowering them to make the choices that they want in their own lives and support them for their process. So thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. And I appreciate the work that you're doing. It's a really important. It's really valued. Um, and we need you. And we need experts you know in this i appreciate y'all being allies so thank you so much for that yes we um we owe adam a beer and we want to make sure that you know that you're invited to that beer as well that we'd love to actually meet you in person and to sit down at a actual table instead of a more metaphorical table that we're sort of sitting at now and would love to to meet and talk with you so we will plan that in the future sure thank you i look forward to it Great. Thank you very much, Candice. Have a wonderful evening. We want to give special thanks to our network, Public House Media, for our intro beats, Jason Barnes at Cybernetics, for our logo art, Patrice. You can find him at normalpersons.com. 
and Matt Meldrum and Ryan Louie, our two-handed technical team. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or publichousemedia.org. Follow us on Twitter at DisarmDisable. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at DisarmingDisability. And check out our website, DisarmingDisability.com. See you next week. Bye. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired sports commentator Dick Vitale. Tonight's matchup is me versus an ugly fender bender. If I can eat out a win, it would be a miracle, baby. Um, Mr. Vitale, it wouldn't be a miracle because GEICO gives you a team of experts to help manage your claim. That's going to be a nail-biter. Nope. The GEICO team is there for you 24-7. Now that's a dipsy dude, the guru of a claims team. GEICO is awesome, baby, with a capital A. GEICO. Great service without all the drama. So, let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day.